You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How would I rank each of the young players that comprise the young core of the Atlanta Hawks in terms of their value moving forward? I'll tell you coming up next. You are locked on the NBA Draft. My name is Sam Ferris. As always, I am here on this Wednesday morning to talk some hoops. And today we've got a very good guest coming up. We're going to be talking about the young guys, specifically for the Atlanta Hawks. Their role this year, our ranking of them in terms of their value moving forward, and much more, of course. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to the Locked On NBA Draft Show. Hopefully, it is your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Again, that is the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. You can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. But without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so let's welcome in the guest that I'm very excited to have today. It is Andrew Kelly, who is a contributor at Peachtree Hoops. Uh, I must say that I think he is one of my favorite Hawks follows on Twitter. And actually, I'd say if you're an NBA fan, he is a very good follow on Twitter. And we're excited today because, well, I'm excited to see the Hawks this season, but more specifically, obviously, this is an NBA draft show. I love tracking the young guys as they get into the NBA, start their careers, see kind of how my projections and analysis did. But yeah, one of my favorite things about the NBA is tracking these young guys. And the Hawks have a fascinating young core. We're going to talk about a few of those guys today. But uh, Andrew, how's it going for you? Are you excited to get the NBA season underway? Oh, yeah, man. Very much so. Uh, It's getting closer and closer. It's been such a short offseason, and I'm excited Yep. Yeah. And for me, kind of doing the draft stuff, the NBA is pretty much a year round thing, but uh, I love doing it. And so the way that we're going to do this today to kind of lay the groundwork is we're going to do three segments. In the first segment, we're going to go over kind of a few of these young guys that do make up the Atlanta Hawks young core. Uh, Just talk about their playing time, what their roles might be. You know, anything Andrew might have heard or read about them heading into this season. And then in the second segment, I'm excited because I've asked Andrew to pick which of these guys um, he is the highest on long term moving forward. And so we're going to kind of debate there. I guess we'll see if we have a different response. And then to mix it up in the final segment, I've also asked Andrew to pick one other NBA team outside of the Hawks that he's kind of excited to monitor this season. Uh, So without further ado, let's get into these guys that make up the young core. And so what's interesting about the Hawks is, you know, obviously they're contending already. They made the Eastern Conference Finals. They brought in some veterans. And the thing is, you could include guys like Trey Young, Kevin Herter and John Collins in their young core. Those guys are still young. They're still improving. But kind of for this exercise today, the guys that I want to talk about, Andrew, are Hunter Reddish, Okongwu, and then the guys that they drafted last year in Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson, and then maybe just quickly on Skylar Mays too. So 
let's start, I think, with the guys that are probably least likely to play, you know, major rotation minutes for the Hawks this year in Skylar Mays and Sharif Cooper. Um, do you see any way that those guys are playing minutes for, you know, the, the Atlanta Hawks this season? And if not, uh, do you see them kind of being in the G League throughout this coming season? I think it's hard to project like a major role of any sort for, for really either. Um, as we know, Cooper's on a two-way deal. Yep. He was someone that happened to fall to the second round, but I think almost none of us had a, as a second round grade. It was a pretty big surprise that he made it all the way down to the Hawks. However, they do have DeLon Wright and Lou Williams on the roster. So it's just hard to see him uh, finding a way to crack the rotation. He seems most likely to get the majority of his action. Of course, the majority of his action really in, in college part, playing for the G League team there. Um, I'm hoping to see some more flashes from him. I think it was a cool pick just because he offers stylistic continuity in a way that you don't really get at the point guard position. You know, he's just a very similar player to Trey. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him. I just don't think he's going to have much of a role as a rookie. And in some ways, it can be advantageous for the Hawks, too, because they can wait a year before they start like his actual rookie contract. But yeah, I don't, I don't expect to see too much of him this year. Um, as for Skylar Mays, he's someone that I've always liked, just going back to his prospect days at LSU. He's a, he's a skilled player. He has a lot of craft. Um, in some ways, his, his game kind of reminds me of almost like a, a poor man's like Malcolm Brogdon. He could just play on and off ball. He's he wins with craft. He's good at using his body at the rim. Um, I've always enjoyed watching him. And I think he's really, you know, he really deserves a, a full roster spot um, with some team. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his game. And I don't know that he's going to be a rotation player. I mean, it just doesn't seem very likely given the depth that they have. But he's somebody, if his number is called, I think can be effective. Yeah, for sure. I, I should have prefaced this because you hit on this too, that they drafted Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper, two guys that I personally had lottery grades on both. Uh, not, not that everybody should be going by my board, but you know, just by my board, you could argue they had basically an all-time just value draft, getting the guys where they did. And I, I also agree. I love how that stylistic continuity, it kind of reminds me of you know, some people talk about in the NFL today, you want to find that backup quarterback where if your starter goes down, you can play that same system. Sharif isn't ready to play minutes yet, but you can see that kind of long term. Obviously, he just doesn't shoot like like Trey Young, which is kind of the issue. But I, I love all those guys. And I kind of do have this this love, it, not hate relationship with the Hawks, but jealous because They've taken so many of kind of my guys in the draft, but the Hawks are just so loaded and deep with talent. I'm just kind of interested to see which of these guys do get minutes, but let's move on to Onyeko Kongwu, who, you know, kind of a theme for a lot of these young guys with the Hawks is they just seem to pick up these injuries right as they're on kind of, right as they're ready to break out. It seems just unlucky with injuries. We saw that with yeah. Reddish and Hunter too. How much of this season do you think Okongwu plays? And when he comes back, do you think he's guaranteed to slide into minutes immediately? The deadline day, or not the deadline, but the, the targeted date that they've generally had is, is January. He's mentioned that personally he's targeting a December return. Um, I don't know how optimistic that is. He's recovering from a, a shoulder injury. But yeah, he's someone that I think once is fully off his minutes restriction is 100% go, then I think he can pretty much lock him up for the uh, backup 
center job. I mean, uh, Jang is a, a quality center. He's a guy that I've always liked. Um, I think he's perfect for like a third center kind of role. Um, but it's I don't think he can hold off a Kongwu, who was really impressive in the playoffs for the Hawks. I mean, guarding Embiid at times, guarding Giannis at times. Um, you can see the intelligence he has and the mobility he has as a defender. Um, he's someone that I think that, you know, it seems like most of the draft community was generally in on as a prospect. I know a lot of uh, analysts preferred him to Wiseman among centers in that class. Um, you can see a little bit of the, you know, Bam out of bio kind of shades that have always come up in reference to him. He's just such a good mover. Um, I'm optimistic long-term that he'll develop like a, a good mid-range shot. Um, that's something that Clint Capella, for example, is missing. He's just not effective at all, you know, outside of the room. So a Kongu, I think, has the ability to make those kind of short mid-range shots, which are really valuable in the playoffs from, from a center. And I think eventually he can start to um, – maybe extend his range out to three, at least a little bit, you know, maybe get some respectability there, but I would love to see him develop more playmaking too. I mean, every now and then he'll, he'll make a nice pass and you can just kind of see like the gears turning in his head. Um, he has really good hands. I think long-term that's an area of growth that he could uh, really shape up to be nice. in. yeah. And I know he's talked about, you know, working on the handle. He has talked about uh, Bam Adebayo being the guy that he wants to kind of base his game off of. And I was pretty high on him too. I know people were kind of disappointed by his numbers and just kind of his his output, what he showed last year, but he was coming again off an injury, off of, you know, an offseason filled with COVID and other difficulties. And then in the playoffs, he did start really popping. And so it just kind of sucked to see another injury, but I'm certainly excited to continue to track him. Um, okay, Jalen Johnson to me is interesting. Another guy I loved in the draft he showed out at summer league and was awesome. He, um, he did play a few minutes in their first preseason game as well, though I think mostly in garbage time. Do you think kind of with that summer league performance that he earned some minutes or is he going to primarily be in the G league as well? Well, I agree with you that he was somebody that I also really liked in the draft. You know, it, it, it's funny because it was hard to get a, a good sense for what his draft range was. Um, going into the season, I think everybody just kind of had him, you know, almost written in ink for the lottery. You know, it's kind of a surprise to um, see him outside of the lottery. If you had been, if you had been told that when he was in high school, you just probably wouldn't have believed it. And uh, I remember going on uh, the Locked On Hawks podcast, and he was one of the guys that you know I thought if if he wouldn't make it to the Hawks, I would just be ecstatic about. It. And he did. And I mean, he's just really impressive physically. You know, he had the biggest hands in the draft. Um, his size just really stands out. I mean, it maybe someday down the line, you could even see him playing like, you know, some small ball five at times in the playoffs. I think he does have that kind of optionality. Um, he's someone that as far as role for a rookie, um, he's just running against some quality depth. Uh, I think I see him primarily as a four. Obviously they have John Collins, um, one of the best power forwards in the league. Um, they have Danilo Gallinari. So it, it's really about as good of a power forward rotation as you'll find in the NBA, yeah. but he also has the ability to play the three. Um, you know, Hunter is going to be the starter. I think Reddish will be behind him. So I think sort of the role that you're looking for from Jalen in his rookie year is kind of a, a fifth forward. This is a, a role that, you know, Solomon Hill has occupied previously. Of course, Solomon ended up playing more than expected last year due to injuries, but I think that's, sort of the role that he's, you know, they envisioned for him to play. So I think he could compete with Hill for that job, you know, playing some backup minutes at the three, playing some backup minutes at the four. But really, he just needs more time playing organized basketball. You know, he, he jumped around high schools. 
Uh, he didn't, you know, obviously he left Duke early. So he hasn't played a ton of organized basketball, really. Um, so I think that that's something that he's going to need more time to sort of ramp up in that department, learn more about the intricacies of defense and, and things like that. But I'm very excited about him long term. I think he could have a small role as a rookie, but he's someone, too. You saw the flashes in summer league. It wouldn't be a surprise if he ended up having a bigger role than expected, especially if there's injuries. Yeah. And to your point, like a lot of these guys are buried on a very deep team, but we saw, unfortunately, with the Hawks last year, and it's just hard to predict, but there will be injuries of some sort. And even if there's not injuries in the modern NBA, teams do rest guys. So some of these guys are at least going to get some minutes. Uh, and I I really like a couple of these guys long term. But let's move on to guys that I think will be playing a little bit more. We'll start with reddish i mean he's kind of still buried too hunter for sure is gonna play he's gonna start uh let's start with reddish though uh is is he gonna get minutes i know they kind of shopped him around a little or at least those were the reports in the offseason do you think those reports were true and what do you kind of see his role being this season yeah, Reddish was available this offseason. I think there's enough that's been put out there from both national and, and local reporters to indicate that he's available. I don't think that they necessarily you know, shopped him around. Maybe if there is a guy that fell in the draft that they had their eye on. I mean, we can't really speculate who they might have liked it. It's possible he might have been available. Um, obviously, it's going to be hard to keep all their young guys long term. That's already factoring in their internal calculus in some ways. So I think they're planning on that to some extent. Um, but I do think he's going to have a, a key role for the Hawks this year. I, th I see him sort of as the primary three behind Hunter. Um, he's a good defender. Like he just really jumps off with his defense. You know, um, he's guarded so many different positions. He's very versatile one through three. He's good at moving around screens with his coordination. Um, he just got to really develop in, uh, consistency offensively. You know, he has an inconsistent shot at times, you know, like in the, uh, in Eastern Conference Finals in Game Six, when he was hot from three, you can see how he can be valuable as like a catch and shoot kind of guy. Um, he has real flashes of self creation too, with like a spin move that he likes to use in, in mid range. So you can kind of see the outlines of you know, an impact player. And he just hasn't had the consistency. And I think that this year they're not going to ask him to do too much. They're really just looking for sort of like you know steady bench contributions. But I think this is a very important role for him. Um, it's his third year. They're looking for more from him. They already have to pay. Uh, you know they paid Collins. They have to pay Trey. Herder is likely to get paid as well. So they, he has to kind of I guess step up and sort of show why he's worthy of a long term investment. Yeah, and he's pretty interesting to me too because he's got the physical tools and the profile that teams are looking for. Yeah, and the defense has been there, but I'm not sure people know kind of how badly he's struggled offensively in the NBA. In, a, in college, it was the same thing, but it's kind of interesting because there are a lot of veterans and just guys around the league that seem to really respect his game and talk him up. And he certainly has that potential. It just has not been consistent. The shot really hasn't translated at a high level yet, but he's certainly got that outline and another guy that I certainly hope can stay healthy and build on what he showed in the playoffs. Uh, but DeAndre Hunter, he's going to start. Uh, I mean, I loved what I saw from him last year, but again, injuries hit. Um, so is he going to get as many minutes basically as he can play this year? And is he fully kind of healed from that injury? Uh, do you know kind of where he's at physically at this point? I think he's ready. I, yeah. I think he's going to play you know, as many minutes as, as they're comfortable with. Um, obviously, he had the, uh, I think a slight meniscus tear was sort of the official diagnosis for it. Um, it was kind of hard to get 
a clear read on that knee injury. It just seemed to get worse and worse as the season uh, went on. Uh, he tried to play through it. Um, he came back maybe too early, and it seemed like it just kind of made things worse. But he's someone who he started the game just on a really consistent, like amazing tear. You know, he's someone who had kind of an underwhelming rookie season, and then just in the off season, just really worked on his handle, uh, just developed in that area. And uh, I mean, he was probably a top seventy-five player through the first uh, 20 games or so when he was healthy. He was their most consistent player, I would say. Um, he brings impact on both ends of the floor. He's very versatile in his defensive assignments. I mean, that's really what stands out the most about him is just his elite versatility. He can handle so many different roles. And he's also important as sort of a, a closing option in the in, you know in a playoff kind of scenario for the Hawks. Um, he's someone that can take over in the fourth quarter with his isolation game. So I think that that's somebody that is going to be a really important player for him for them this uh, this coming season. And hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, I'm you know I I don't think it's going to be a chronic kind of thing with the knee, but you do worry when you see that with a young player. Um, but I do think that he's ready and he's going to get minutes as much as they can give him. Yep, totally agree. All right, we're going to get into a break, but that might be a good transition because I think we're going to talk a little bit more about DeAndre Hunter in the next segment. I'm going to give my pick for who I like the most long-term from the Hawks, and, and Andrew's going to do the same thing coming up after this break. Hey guys, so there are just a few things in life that are not that fun to talk about. And one of them can be excessive sweating. You know, when you're in a meeting, you're giving a speech, you're at work, and maybe your shirt is sweating through for no reason. And that's kind of embarrassing, right? So some of you might have dealt with this, uh, and it can happen to anyone really. But thankfully, there is this new brand out. It's called Sweat Block. And because they're one of our sponsors, they actually sent me a few weeks ago a lot of their supplies. Uh, they've been really effective, I think, for me. So simply, the only thing you have to do is apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, go about your day as normal without worrying about sweating. And that's guaranteed. I know that sounds too good to be true, but you just have to use it once or twice a week and it can keep you dry that entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirt based on which one will hide sweat better. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check this out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Okay, Andrew, so uh, we haven't shared notes or anything to this point at all, so I don't know who you're gonna pick. Uh, but you are the guest, so I'll let you go first. Um, out of the six guys that we just discussed, who do you value the most, or which of these prospects do you think is the best prospect long-term? And also, do you think the Hawks agree with your assessment? Right now, just from what I've seen, um, since he's uh, made his big leap in year two, I would probably say DeAndre Hunter. Um, just putting a premium on his skill set, I think, is really the the key factor there. I mean, guys that have the ability to score one on one, to handle the other team's best player. Um, he just has so much, uh, so much in his physical profile too. I mean, he's a huge guy with a great wingspan. Um, there's just a lot that really favors him in the modern NBA. So he, I think he's, you know, sort of the low hanging fruit there. I know the Hawks do like him a lot and see him as somebody who could eventually evolve into the number two role. Um, the comparison that I've kind of made on. Com 
on a podcast, you know, it seems like this summer is uh, Chris Middleton, I think. Uh, he just has a sort of that similar, you know, mid-range assassin kind of game that uh, Middleton possesses. So I think that that's in his range of outcomes. I'm not saying that's what he'll become, but I think he could have that kind of outcome. Um, so I think he's probably my pick for uh, the number two. I mean, I think a Congo you can make an argument for just based on his defensive impact being very high. I could see how that kind of player could be really optimized with Trey. So I think he has a case as well, but I think a Kong, I think Hunter is just the easy pick for right now. Okay, cool. So let's stay on Hunter for a second, and then I'll give you my rankings one through six, and you'll tell me kind of where you, you might differ. But in terms of DeAndre Hunter, he was a guy that I – I liked coming into the draft, but I was maybe just a little lower on. And that's because, frankly, I did not see the jump coming that he made last year. He bumped up the usage and the efficiency. And when both those things happen, that's a great sign. And so, you know, when you first jump into the stats, you might think, well, you know, maybe he just shot better from three last year. And that's what kind of bumped up his efficiency. And that was not the case. Um, he, he shot a little worse from three, actually. And again, this was all a small sample. I think he only played 23 games last year, so like a third of the season. But inside the arc, he just transformed basically into a different player over that sample. He, he took a bunch of mid-range shots, and it wasn't just the volume. It was the efficiency where he made 54%. But I loved, like you said, it was out of isolation. He could score coming off screen. They even let him run some pick and roll. And it was pretty awesome when I started digging into the film this offseason because it just wasn't a, a jump that I quite expected. Um, so I don't know if he's going to maintain that efficiency, you know, over a full season. But I did see today that you posted that you're, you're calling a shot that you think DeAndre Hunter is going to be a first-time all-star this season. So when you say that, do you think, when you see kind of that path to being an all-star, does he maintain... Like, was that jump last year pretty real? Or what other kind of areas of improvement do you think you could see him making this season? Yeah, I, I'm buying it. You know, he was somebody I really didn't love as a prospect, honestly. Like, I, okay. you know, he's, he's not the kind of guy that checks every box for me. I was loyal on him after his rookie year. But the way he played through the first 20 games, I, I don't think was a fluke in any way. And if you go through the film, I think that's supported. And it's just so clear that the handle improvements are, are here to stay. And I think that's what really enabled him to make the leap that he did. Um, certainly, I think he ran hot from mid-range. I mean, I mean, he yeah. shot, I think, like 93rd percentile or something like that on cleaning the glass. I mean, he was very hot and it's a small sample size so we can't assume that that's going to stay but he's always been a good mid-range shooter and he's so good at accessing those areas of the court now so i just think that um the profile is is there um i think that he's somebody that coaches are just going to gravitate to you know i basically see the hawks as the number three seed right now in the east um, so I think that that could plausibly, you know, support a second all-star just based on, you know, top three seeds generally having a couple all-stars. And I think when you look at the most likely candidate for that second all-star, I think it probably is Hunter. I think he's some of the coaches are going to really respect for his defensive impact and his uh, offensive consistency. So I could definitely see how uh, his path could, could lead him to the all-star game. So yeah, I'm, I'm very high on him going into the season. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about last year. They made the Eastern conference finals and, DeAndre Hunter didn't even participate in that. And that kind of leads me to my next question. You mentioned you think he, he'd be that second all-star. So do you see him as the second most important piece long-term to the Hawks after Trey Young? I know some people might argue John Collins. I, I was kind of debating this internally myself. Uh, would you go kind of that far that you think he's 
kind of the second guy there in terms yeah. of their core. Yeah. 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 I would, like I said, I just like the, the playoff skill set is just very, you know, clear with Hunter. I mean, it's easy to see how he could be a difference maker in the fourth quarter of a playoff series, things of that nature. And certainly just based on um, current production. I mean, John Collins has been, you know, a borderline top 50 player for a couple of years now, but I'd also think that his game is less likely to improve in the way that Hunter's is. Um, I just think that he has some limitations with his handle and with passing that are going to kind of confine him to sort of a, a play finishing role for the most part. I mean, it's a valuable role, but he's not really someone who can consistently create his own offense in the way that you need to, to win, you know, important playoff series is when you're going against like Duran and Giannis and guys like that. So that's why I would favor Hunter over him. Sounds good. Okay. So I'll give you my rankings. I had Hunter one as well. But I actually differed. I love the long-term upside of Jalen Johnson. So I, I have him number two. Maybe I'm too high on him, but I loved him coming into the draft. And uh, I've seen nothing to dissuade me kind of from that opinion. Obviously, it's just summer league. You can't read too much into that. But that's kind of my, been my projection of him all along. Uh, I kind of viewed him as basically very similar or equal in terms of a prospect level to Scotty Barnes, a guy that went kind of much higher in the draft than he did. Yeah, I agree that, with that. Yeah, after that, I've got Cooper and Okongwu close. I, you know, I have Okongwu one slot ahead just because, mainly because the Hawks, uh, you know, invested a lot more capital into him, drafting him in the first round compared to to Cooper, who went at the end of the second round. Again, I view them pretty similarly as prospects. Um, it seems like the Hawks would certainly value Okongwu long-term, and then I have Reddish and then Mays there at the end. Uh, so where kind of in that ranking do you think you would differ from me the most? I like the uh, the Jalen Johnson take, man. That's spicy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he was a really impressive prospect. I mean, going back to like his high school profile, um, I forget how high he peaked in like the high school rankings because he transferred, yeah. you know, so many high schools that he kind of went down the rankings by the end of it. Yep. But I think there's a lot pointing to him being a high ceiling prospect. So I can definitely see how he could get there. Um, as far as how I would rank them, I would have Hunter number one. Um, I believe I would have a Kongwu number two. I'm just kind of looking down the line and I see the defensive versatility with Trey being really important. Uh, number three, I would, I would probably have Herter. Um, he kind of had a coming out party in the playoffs. Obviously, he was huge for them in the game seven win over Philly. Um, he just has that dribble pass and shoot skill set that's very hard to find. And he's only 23 too. So his best years are ahead of him. Um, yeah. Fourth, I think you got to go Collins. And he's yeah. definitely the best player right now, I would say. But like I said, I just think that he doesn't have as much fruit to pick as some of these other guys. And I think that his skill set is just going to have less value in like the highest levels of the playoffs than someone like a Kongwu or, or uh, a Hunter. Um, after that, it starts to become more opaque. Um, I probably, man, I, I might go Jalen after that. And it's just, it's hard to have him too high just because we have limited information right now, but certainly I can see the ceiling case for him. So I might go with him. Um, after that, uh, I think I go reddish. I think I go reddish there. Um, he just had, he needs to improve more, but the defensive up upside is there. And I'd probably have Cooper after that. Um, the thing with Cooper is it's just tough for him because they have Trey. That's just really what it exactly. is. I mean, he's always going to be a backup just because of Trey Young there. Um, so I think you kind of have to value him less because of that. However, I think if you could get two years of him, you know, as the primary backup to Trey, uh, that could be a difference-making kind of uh, outcome in the playoffs. You know, having that stylistic continuity, somebody that can get the paint touches that he gets and the creation that he has, like that could, that's something that could help swing a playoff series. So I just think you have to have him lower just because of Trey's presence and then not have Miz last after that. 
Yeah, and to be clear, I would have John Collins and and Herder higher. I was only doing the guys with two years of experience or less, so I was. Oh not, yeah, I, I gotcha. I yeah. wasn't including <laughs> Collins or Herder in there. I got yeah. Yeah, I I think I'm actually even a little higher in Collins than maybe you are, but I certainly understand, and I I've liked Herder for a long time too. Um, but uh, let's get into a break here, and then we're gonna switch it up and talk uh, maybe a couple other NBA teams just for a couple minutes before we finish up here. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Uh, I've talked about this before. If you've listened to our show, I'm not a guy that liked protein bars before, but there are a couple of things that I really like about Built Bar. For me, first, it's just the taste and the variety of different flavors that you can choose from, whether you like coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, just tons to choose from. But on top of that, they're also very healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar and net carbs, and calories range from 130 to 180. So again, amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Uh, You can order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Pretty cool, right? So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so... Andrew, which uh, I asked you to pick one other NBA team just to switch it up for a few minutes here. So which other NBA team did you pick that you're excited to monitor this coming season? It's got to be the Timberwolves for me. Um, they're one of my big kind of off-season bets. I like them to, to go over this year. I think they're going to be in the play-in tournament. I just think that there's a lot pointing up for them. I've always been a big Carl Anthony Towns fan, just yep. going back to his Kentucky days. He's just so skilled. I mean, he's the best shooting center of all time. He's had some bad breaks with injuries, and just overall team context has been so poor. Um, you've seen this year, when you actually have a team – like Trey Young has had or Devin Booker has had, that's what you have to have to win in the NBA. Like even no matter how good you are, it's hard to advance very far if you don't have like the, the supporting cast. And I think that they've made improvements to that effect. Um, I really like the Patrick Beverly addition. I know he's kind of like a polarizing player, or maybe not even polarizing. I think most people just don't like him, but I think yeah. you want dogs on your team. You know, yeah. he's somebody that I think it, he brings an attitude and he brings a presence in the locker room that I think a young team really needs. So I love that addition. Um, JD McDaniels was very impressive as a rookie. I liked a lot what he could do defensively. Some of the stuff he does just reminds me of Jonathan Isaac defensively. You know, I'm not saying he's going to have that kind of outcome, but I can see the shades of Isaac defensively. And I think that's an important piece to have next to Towns. Um, Edwards, I've always, you know, been optimistic on since he was a prospect. He and uh, LaMelo were my top two in the tier of their own um, in that draft class. So I love Ant. You know, I think he's going to have a big year too. There's just a lot that I like about their team. I was pretty convinced about uh, Finch. You know, I I think he's going to be a good coach. Um, He's a good offensive mind, a good innovator. So uh, some of the stuff they've shown too in preseason, I think is impressive too. Like using Towns at the level of the screen, if that's the kind of defensive, you know, architecture they're going to implement, I think that's going to make it easier to get the results they got to get defensively. So I'm very high on them. Yeah, I, I agreed with everything you said. I'm expecting a bounce back. Not even that Towns had a bad year per se, but I I think he's going to reestablish himself as one of the premier centers in the NBA. Super skilled, can shoot it, and I think he's got a little bit of that chip back on his shoulder. And yeah, I I was excited to hear you say this because we never really have talked about the draft 
much per se in the past, but the Jonathan Isaac comp for Jaden McDaniels is one that I've used, and I, I love that. I think that is kind of the guy that he should kind of base his game off of as that four that can defend at a really high level. Just kind of physically reminds me of him, too. Uh, he was a guy that I was very high on in the draft, and I, I've loved what I've seen from him. And I, also, I think his fit next to Towns is really, really good, too. And to your point there, like they just didn't have that dog in the past. And I don't know what Beverly's going to be on the court, but just that attitude and that kind of veteran presence, I, I think is going to help. Um, D'Angelo Russell's the one guy that I, I've just never really been high on. And that's kind of what's holding me back from being overly kind of over the top up Austin optimistic with them. Um, but do you see them? Did you say you see them kind of uh, in a, potential play-in situation this year or where would you kind of predict them ending up at? Yeah, I, I have them in the plan. I think they're going to go over this year. I just, like I said, I think the year two for Jaden and Ann, it's big. And I think we're going to have Towns' best season. Um, he's someone, like I said, has just had to deal with some injuries. And um, I just think this is where he really kind of makes his leap, I guess, as like an absolute superstar. I mean, he's already a star, but I just think that he makes that, that leap to like all NBA kind of guy this year. Sounds good. So just then to to finish up, if you have them making the play-in tournament, kind of who do you have falling out? Are you kind of lower on the Grizzlies this year, maybe the Pelicans in the West, or or who do you have falling out of that spot? That's a good question. You know, I, I don't think I've really made up my mind on the Grizzlies uh, or Pelicans this year. Um, I like some of what Eno uh, did over the offseason. I mean, they should be improved. Um, I think the Grizzlies, I think, probably do fall out the more I think about it, just because yeah. – it, it, this offseason has very clearly been about planning for the future. I think they're okay with taking a step back. Um, Jaron Jackson's another guy I think is just really interesting. He's somebody that I could see having a big breakout year, and you know they could be the play-in. They still have good pieces, but you know when they when they traded uh, J Val, I mean it was it was a pretty clear signal that they're prioritizing the future. So I think that they could slip out. I know that's kind of the hardest part for me. I I like picking kind of these sleeper teams and then I go through all the playoff spots and I'm like, who is going to fall out? But I kind of agree with you. I I do. I do have the Grizzlies kind of falling down a few spots. So kind of seem to be in lockstep with most of our opinions here. Um, But thank you so much, Andrew, for taking the time to join me today. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, Do you want to take the time to plug anything here before we finish up? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, A. Kelly, A-N-D-L-A-N-K-E-L-L. I'm pretty active on there. We'll be more active during the season. I'm looking forward to it. Just, uh, yeah, hit me up there. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for making the Locked On NBA Draft podcast your first listen today and hopefully every day. Now, go ahead and make your second listen today, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It is also free and it is also available on all platforms.